Hello everybody, this is Rafael Davidovich. Welcome to Nach Wednesday, delivered this week on Thursday. We are in Sefer Yehoshua, Perik Yud Ches. This is the book of Joshua, chapter 18, which is an incredible chapter. A real game changer in several ways. I invite everyone to please read through the chapter, and I will be offering what I consider are the most salient, most important points in this chapter, and explaining why I think it's a game changer. The chapter starts with the establishment of the Mishkan in Shiloh. The entire Bnei Yisrael, the Jewish people, gathered in Shiloh and put the Ohel Moed, that is the sanctuary, the tabernacle, the Mishkan, that the Jews had had during their traveling in the desert. It was now being set up in the city of Shiloh. This is a major event. According to the Talmud, the Mishkan stood in the city of Shiloh for 369 years. This is a major event because as the development of this chapter and the rest of Sefer Yehoshua is going to set up a very decentralized uh, government for the Jewish people, the fact that Shiloh was the central place of worship for the Jewish people for well over three centuries is the cohesiveness that kept Klal Yisrael together despite the fact that their government was so decentralized as we are going to see. The decentralized system really gets set up here in this chapter because even though the tribes on the eastern side of the Jordan, Ruvain and Gad and half of Menashe are set up, and the side of the the West Bank is also now officially uh, set up for the tribes of Yehuda and for the tribes of Yosef. That's, of course, Ephraim and Menashe. The rest of the country remains unconquered. Specifically, seven tribes do not have land yet. Yehoshua tells them, what is going on, guys? Why is so much land left unconquered, unfinished, this conquest that Yehoshua had set up, which is the entire book here, Sefer Yehoshua, here we discover that things are simply not finished. The job is not done. And it's interesting that Yehoshua blames the tribes for this. Why isn't Yehoshua himself responsible? Isn't he the one who's supposed to conquer all of this land? Yet somehow it's understood that the tribes themselves, meaning the, the armies of the tribes, somehow ended up not getting the job done. So what does Yehoshua do? He says, we know the land that remains to be conquered. So now, these tribes need to each send three men, travel throughout the countryside of this unconquered area, similar to the Miraglim, if you think about it, like the spies that were sent uh, earlier, and they are to return. And the next part of the story involves a lottery in which the seven tribes are to mark seven distinct areas of the country, but this is both in the west and in the north, and as we'll see, part of the central area of the country as well, and come back with seven distinct regions. They will be put in a hat, if you will, or meaning in some form of lottery, with the seven remaining tribes. A name of a tribe will be picked out of one box, a name of the land will be out of another, and that is how we will know which land goes to which tribe for the remaining seven tribes. And what this chapter does is it sets up not only the remainder of Sefer Yehoshua, in a way, 
But this is all the setup we need for Sefer Shoftim, for the book of Judges, because it is in this chapter that we understand why this extended period of the Judges was even necessary if Yehoshua was there to conquer the land, and Yehoshua is Moshe Rabbeinu's understudy, then what took hundreds of years? This chapter explains what took those hundreds of years, meaning it would be the successful conquest of these areas that we are being uh, told about here in chapter 18 and afterwards in chapter 19. Chapter 18 focuses on what the tribe of Binyamin would end up conquering and inheriting. I will point out as briefly as I can, even though I think this deserves an hour-long shiur, that Binyamin's share, his territory, is the most difficult to understand geographically. Because unlike the other tribes that are situated further west from the already conquered areas and further north from the other for the from the already conquered areas, Binyamin is right there in the middle. And here we have in the second half of chapter 18 where it says specifically that Binyamin's territory is nestled between Yehuda's territory in the south and Yosef's territory in the north, so that Yehuda's territory extends all the way until Yerushalayim. Binyamin's territory starts in Yerushalayim, goes all the way to the Jordan River, and includes Yericho, actually, and then goes further north until the Shomron, where it hits Yosef's territory. So the question is, how is it that Binyamin's territory wasn't conquered? They conquered the south, they conquered the north, but they missed this little sliver right there in between. So I think it has to do with the um, mountainous uh, geography of this area. In any case, I think it's also interesting to note that Binyamin is there between Yehuda and Yosef, and this matches, geographically speaking, the story we have back in Parshas Miketz and Parshas Vayigash, that Binyamin stood in between Yehuda and Yosef. Yosef wanted Binyamin for himself. Yehuda claimed Binyamin as his own. And as we're going to re be reading later, Binyamin actually ends up joining forces with Yehuda. But think about it. Just like Binyamin stood between Yehuda and Yosef back in the day, so too the territory of Binyamin stands between Yehuda and Yosef at this point and forever uh, in history. The rest of the six tribes and their territories will be described in chapter 19, but this concludes our summary of chapter 18. Thank you for listening.